Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, looking ahead to a weekend of college football, we are going to start with a trip to Provo to hear from BYU defensive back Austin Lee. Last time the Cougars played Toledo, they both broke 50 points. It doesn't sound like a big deal now. Was it 55-53? It doesn't sound like a big deal now because we just saw Washington State and UCLA at 67-63. But 55-53 is pretty outrageous. That's a pretty wild game. Now, it was a few years ago. The talent's changed and all that. But nonetheless, uh, Toledo just had a role in a CSU and won 41-35. I think BYU ought to win this. But the margin's less than a touchdown. You're on the road. Sometimes weird things happen in college sports. Let's listen to BYU's defensive back Austin Lee with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What's kind of the mood right now? Because that wasn't you guys' best defensive performance. What do you see from the, from the guys? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that there's a lot of frustration, obviously, um, from that from that loss and um, just how we handled ourselves and how we played. Uh, we didn't execute at a high level that we needed to, and I don't think we took a step forward. You know, each week we're trying to get better, and I don't, I don't think we took a step forward from, from the previous game. So hopefully... You know, we can start today, prepare well, and uh, by, by game day for Toledo, we'll execute well against them. How big of a loss is Zane? He's a big loss. Uh, Zane's, Zane's a great athlete. He's a great player. He's got great instincts, and he's a great leader as well. And so when you have a guy like that that, that is lost, it's, it's, it's obviously um, hurts the defense, but I've, I've thought we had made some improvements with um, other pl- other players, um, namely obviously some of the flash linebackers that stepped up. But when he moved to safety as well, it gave Sawyer Powell, um, Malik, um, Bo Tanner opportunities to step up, and I thought they thought they did well for the most part and very assignment sound. And uh, hopefully those guys will continue to get better. Have you guys known that Zane would? has been lost for the season for a couple of weeks now or just recently or kind of? uh, I'm not sure um, it was more confirmed obviously this this last week uh, but but for the most part uh, it, it's it's a big loss like like we said but he's a great athlete we've seen the cast of characters playing alongside you said you mentioned Malik Sawyer Bo is, any, is anything different for you when you have different guys playing next to you at safety um I mean, not not really. Uh, I trust those guys, and so that that's the most important thing is is having that trust in the defense and everyone around us, so that we're not playing out of our assignments, so that we can play, you know, everything that we're doing. And so I, I trust those guys. They they know what they're doing out there. They're very athletic. Uh, they run well, and so it's it's fun seeing those guys next to me, and uh, it's it's just a good time. You heard me ask Lonnie the, about guys trying to do too much because that's human nature, particularly when you're behind. You know, you want to want to make that big play. How do you, as a leader, help guys, particularly some of the young guys, avoid that lure, that you know, that impulse to, to get out of the system, like you were saying, and, and stay focused on what they're supposed to be doing for the good of the team? I think it's just a constant reminder. I mean, sometimes it's hard to remind, like during on the field, to say, you know, let's let's do our job, but. Um, it, it's 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 always emphasized when we're on the field to to just you know hey we need to step it up right now this is big time big time uh, down for us this is a big time opportunity for us to step up but uh, it, it's always emphasized I guess more so when we get off the field that we need to do our job do our part and everything will take care of itself so it's yeah it's it's sometimes natural for people to play out of the position especially when we're when we're losing but we just got to con- continue to emphasize it because otherwise we're not going to be very assignment sound and and it could get even uglier Kalani had mentioned that there's 
a lot of different factors playing into why other teams have been able to run the ball so well. From an on-the-field perspective, what are you seeing in terms of that? Uh, I mean, we've played some great teams, uh, and they've been able to take advantage with you know how well they run the ball, and they're well-coached as well, and uh, Toledo's going to be another challenge for us. And so uh, I think the biggest thing is just to come down to the fundamentals. Uh, guys doing their, their assignments and playing with the technique that coaches teach them and just, just doing it every time. And from there, we can adjust if, if needed to. Is that one of the things you were talking about in terms of maybe a lack of execution, focusing on the execution? Are you talking one of those being the, the run defense? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't – I mean, I as, as a safety, I don't, like, always handle, sure. you know, and seeing the run defense. Obviously, I try to take care of, of my portion of seeing the run and the pass keys. But um, – I think I think a little bit can come from just the fundamentals and the technique from what coaches teach and and just a lack of execution. Yeah. What do you make of Bo Tanner's kind of saga, his journey, leaving the team, coming back, switching positions? Just from your perspective, what's that been like to watch? I think yeah, I think I think he's pretty like inspiring. Like uh, obviously he hasn't had the he it hasn't ended up the way he's thought it would end up right but he's made the most of his opportunities and with his skill set uh he's he, he's got great speed he's got great strength um and he's a great asset as far as you know his knowledge and his his athletic ability and so i don't think it always ended up the way that he thought it would but we're excited to have him on the defense because the guy has stepped up for us and he's come in critical parts of the game and and has done a phenomenal job for us you know, when Kalani was talking about when we talked about how his emphasis has always been on what he thinks is best for the players, trying to do what he feels like, whether it's helping them find a new situation through the transfer portal, helping them come back to the team. It's not like playing for that type of coach who puts you guys, you know, has such high, you know, just, just the way he approaches things with you guys. Yeah, Kalani uh, and most all the coaches, they're, they're just all very charismatic. They care most for, for the player. Um, and that doesn't just extend from a football point of view, it extends from their career um, academically and their their life choices. And he gives people chances to come back and he puts people in great uh, places to succeed in, in their in their life. And you know, so, Austin, after the Washington game, there's a lot of, sorry, no, the light's bright. No, there's good. a lot of, um, you know, we, did, we need to do this to get better. We need to get better in this spot. But is there something that you can look at and take a positive from that game with your team or even just with the defense? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, during a big loss like that, it's, it's hard to find some positives. But uh, we do need to focus on, like, just our fundamentals and our and, – and the things that we do well, but I think that we have very high effort guys who, who care and uh, they have an uncommon type of belief and an uncommon type of effort in them that that translates to the field and, and helps uh, sometimes cover up bigger plays that could have happened. But um, for the most part, I'm just very, I'm, I'm happy for the type of energy and the effort that they give on the field. With, with Zane out and now with the news of Tyson being out, how do you guys as teammates handle another teammate losing his season like that? Do you, do you guys kind of give them their space and let them kind of go through it? Or how do you, how do you guys handle it? Maybe it's a, a personal thing. but Yeah, so uh, I think for the most part, it's just, just being there for them, uh, showing them that we care for them. But, uh, you know, it's, it's very surprising to me is when, you know, someone has an injury like that. It's it's so easy for them or so, someone to be you know devastated and and mad. But those guys have had really 
um, good energy, good vibes about them, and they care most about the team and for us is succeeding and they've been great leaders for us and uh, they're just they're just great men and they have a bright future ahead of them because of it. You mentioned their leadership even though guys like Zane and Tyson are out how are they how's that leadership still able to translate either in the locker room or on the sidelines just to still help contribute to the the positivity of the team the energy of the team? Yeah I think I think those players are great coaches as well you know they're they're always there for us and uh, they want what's best for us and so when they see someone lacking an effort, they might hold us accountable. And I see them still doing that. And I see them still coaches and stuff, and they have been. And uh, they're, they're, like we said, they're great leaders. And this, this team needs, uh, needs and has a lot of player accountable, accountability and a lot of leaders on this team. You guys are coming off four games against Power 5 teams. How did you, like, we've seen you play a lot of reps in safety. How does your body feel, and what do you do to kind of keep yourself game in and game out ready to go? Yeah, uh, every game's a, a battle. Uh, every game is, is, is competitive, and we're excited. But uh, the, the biggest emphasis for me that I do is just making sure I'm on top of it. I, I, I don't have many classes to take for graduation, and so it's easier for me to – to maybe focus on just, you know, staying hydrated and stuff. But I see a lot of guys carrying around gallons of water, you know, just going to the treatment room when, when possible. And, and guys are making a big emphasis to stay healthy. And so it's, it's for the most part, I feel like we're, we're very ahead of the game. There's BYU defensive back Austin Lee. When we come back, we're talking Utes with our college football insider, Riley Jensen, a little cougar, a little laggies. But we got a lot of questions about the Utes now. Huge game with Washington State coming up. Riley's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Dude, what happened this weekend? Everybody was depressed at church this weekend. What, what the heck, man? Uh, what you know, the heck? You know, that's to... why I didn't go to church. <laughs> you don't go to church with Aggies? Aggies I thought you were an unordained minister. I am an unordained minister, yes. <laughs> I can appreciate your next marriage, Riley. You just call me. For my next one? Yeah. (laughs) Great. Great. (laughs) On my anniversary today, you're talking about my next marriage. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I only know what I read in the scriptures. I didn't say you were dumping the first one. (laughs) Oh, man. What a weekend, huh? So we'll start with the Friday night. How how, How in the world did that happen? How did USC get deep again and again and again? Well, <clears throat> I did think it was interesting. I thought, you know, when we talked last week, you asked me if they were going to go three-man rush and drop eight. And I, I did think they would do some. I, I knew they were going to mix in some man-to-man because I thought that they, you know, the University of Utah thought that they could handle these wide receivers man-to-man. But clearly, 
um, these wide receivers, when you play them man-to-man, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I, I, I think one of the hallmarks of the University of Utah that I've always enjoyed and that, that really makes me want to watch their football games is their halftime adjustments. And I usually look forward to their halftime adjustments because I think they're very good at it. And I just didn't see the adjustment that helped them to win that game. They stayed in man-to-man. They, they, they continued to allow themselves to get burnt on certain plays. And I was, I was just surprised. It was a little bit of a head-scratcher. And, you know, uh, it's, it's like you guys have said. I've heard a million people say, USC is always a dangerous team because of how athletic they are. Now, are they going to be well-coached every week? I don't know. Are they going to... Are they going to deliver every week? I don't know. Are they going to be motivated every week? I don't know. But certainly last week, that that looked like a very good USC team compared to the week before playing against BYU. And, I mean, you could argue that part of it is because BYU had a good game plan against them, and, and maybe Utah's game plan wasn't quite as good. Well, how about it's just simple that the receivers were better than the defensive backs and were overthinking anything more beyond that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean – that's what I'm saying is I, I don't think they made the adjustment and went to zone or maybe made this quarterback think about it very much. Um, you know, and then I, the other thing that was interesting is, you know, as much as I've been excited about the University of Utah offensive line, I mean, they just got dominated. And I think one of the things that hurts just a little bit more because they got dominated by USC's defensive line is that Jay Tupele is from right here in the Salt Lake Valley from Bingham, Bingham High School, and he was just having a heyday with Utah's offensive line. And, and you know, those two things, the, the, the inability for the DBs at Utah to match up with USC's wide receivers and the offensive line inability to block those interior defensive linemen was, was frustrating all night. So Washington State... Uh, has a similar scheme. They won't have three NFL-bound wide receivers, I wouldn't think. But how much faith do you have in the Utes' ability to corral this passing game, given what you saw in the first half with Northern Illinois and what you saw in the USC game? Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're watching the University of Utah, and, you know, it's interesting as a coach because you're constantly learning about your team and, and – one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm not saying that college coaches struggle with this, but when, I, when I'm coaching, it's, it's really, really hard for me to tell, particularly on film, whether we match up well or not. And so I just go to the default setting like, hey, we don't match up well, so we need to do this, we need to do that, and we need to do this in order to be able to score. And we're going to have to use some misdirection and some smoke and mirrors and some different things to be able to score. Um, and I wonder sometimes if college coaches do the same thing where it's just like, man, I really thought our guys matched up man-to-man with those guys. And so you learn about your defense, you learn about your offensive line, and you're able to make adjustments. I think they'll play much better this week against Washington State, but my goodness, Washington State's defense can't be good. I mean, UCLA had struggled to score against everyone, and then they scored 67 last week. I mean, how how would you feel if you're the quarterback for Washington State and threw for almost 600 yards and nine touchdowns and lost? I mean, what a terrible feeling inside. <laughs> yeah, I would think that's why I came to Washington State, though. So, 
I kind of knew that going no, in. No, I, I mean, I agree with that. And, and, and certainly when you're a quarterback at Washington State, you love that you get to, you, you get to have the ball in your hands and, and make plays. But I'm not sure that he thought he was going to be losing game 67-63, right? Probably not. Uh, you, poss- Maybe 49-45, you know, but yeah. 67-63, that's a, that's a freaking arena game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a possibility that the Utes could be without Moss and Huntley uh, for the quarterback situation. How much do you change things then? Well, that I mean, that does make things a little bit difficult. I mean, I, I think what you're excited about is the fact that you're going to be able to move the ball against Washington State's defense. The question is, can you slow them down enough? Can you get can you get a stop per half to be able to compete with Washington State? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, and I don't know, I haven't looked at what they've listed, you know, as the backup quarterback, but Lisk has seemed to be the one that's coming in for mop-up time. And if Huntley's out, that would be very interesting to me to see uh, what ends up happening, especially as well as, uh, oh, shoot, I just spaced his name, the quarterback from last year, the backup uh, for Utah. Shelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he played so well last year, and it just it just seems to me that if 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 he was still the second string quarterback, why would you not have him in for mop up time and running the troops and doing the things that you need to do? And so I'd I'd be interested if Huntley really is out, he who is the backup quarterback for for sure because I think I think that has a big influence on how the game goes, and with Moss out. Um, obviously, we think it's a shoulder. We don't know how long. What are they saying Huntley's injury is? They're, they're not, not saying anything. Or, well, of course, they're not saying anything. Do we have a speculation or, or Well, yeah, he that? was limping after the game the other night. I can tell you that. I saw it okay. for myself. Yeah, the, I mean, as, okay. soon as, as soon as Moss went out, he ran right into the teeth of the defensive line on the next two plays, and he ended up with 18 carries. I mean... No, I mean, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but this is kind of predictable. It is predictable when he's carrying the ball that many times, but it's also predictable that he was going to have to carry the load a little bit this game when Moss went down because you just don't have your whole offense in. And I know they're excited about, you know, other running backs and some different things, but when Moss is down, it's a, it's a different team and you have to come up with a different scheme. The good news is when this kind of thing happens at the University of Utah, I mean, what have they built their program on? They've built it on defense. They've built it on special teams. And they're not counting on a ton of offense. And so, um, yeah, you have to make adjustments, but I think it's going to be more of the same. I think they're going to try and pound the rock. They're going to be smart with the football. And they're going to try and keep this to a low-scoring game as much as they can. Washington State's going to be difficult to do that with. But that's kind of what they've built their team on, so that when these sorts of things happen, it's not as huge of a loss. Uh, Kyle said a couple things at his uh, press conference that apply to this. He was asked about the backup quarterback. He said it's still an open competition. Whether that's true or not, that's what he wanted to throw out there on the Monday before the Washington State game. Uh, so he was asked about that. Um, well, I mean, they are different style quarterbacks, right? Like, I mean, one is mobile and can run around and, and can do a little bit of the run game for you. The other's a, a traditional, like, pocket passer. And so uh, I can see why he would want to keep that a secret. I, I can see why he would want to, like, 
not give away his hand on that sort of thing. And he also said the special teams really haven't been an advantage. They've been an advantage in the past, and to your point, you know, they've built on that. But he said right now there's basically kind of a wash, just kind of even. They haven't really no, gotten a leg up. that's fair enough. I, I, and I just don't know how you can have a run like they've had. I mean, the, the run that University of Utah has had special teams-wise is really pretty incredible if you think about it. And I thought that the special teams would be down a little bit this year, and I thought the offense would be up a little bit this year and that that would make up for some of it. But he's right. It's not It's not as good as it has been, but it's certainly something that University of Utah is proud of. It's certainly something that they put a lot of time into, and I expect special teams to get better and better and better as the season goes on. Are the Cougars screwed without Tyson Williams? I think it's a I think it's a pretty big blow. I mean, I, I he, he didn't he just give you that feel that they had a big time back that they yeah, had somebody yes. that could that, that could really run the ball. And I'm not sure I get that feeling from anybody else that's on their team. That's not that's not a cut to Katoa uh, Lopini Katoa. I think he's more of a traditional BYU back that's been able to catch the ball out of the backfield and get you some yards on the old draw trap and on some different things like that and hurt you when you're passing the ball to set up the run. But, man, when I saw when I saw in that game, when I saw that little – it was like his foot just barely hit the ground and the helmet hit his knee at the same time, and you just saw that tweak, and I was like, oh, no, please don't be an ACL. Not, not for this guy. I mean, everything that you read about him is that he's a good, he's a good kid. He's been a good teammate. And you were hoping the best for him, and and you hate to see an injury like that, you know, as a fifth-year graduate transfer. But, I mean, it's part of the game. It's the reason why BYU went out and got more running backs is because you need depth at that position. And I do think it hurts them a little bit, although I think their natural inclination is to really just give the reins to Zach Wilson and let him take this team. So it maybe takes the pressure on them not to have to run the ball as much because I, it's ironic to me that I feel like Grimes wants to pass the ball more than he wants to run the ball. Riley, your uh, your Aggies went down and beat San Diego State. How much did that up your? And apparently, you don't go to church with any Aggies because everybody at church you said was, <laughs> so. You apparently, have no Aggies. Wherever it is you go. Well, on they Sunday, all came. So. Hey, they all came out of the pews on Sunday. I mean, you know, they had the Utah State tie. They were ready to go. They were ready to go. So Sunday, have, but. we talked about how the schedule's tougher this year. They have these cycles that are unbalanced in the Mountain West. But you go get that one. You you didn't lead the whole way because it was three nothing early. But you got the pick six pretty early. So you led the vast majority of the game. How much does it change the outlook for the season? And how much was it just hey, it's a one off. You checked one box, but there's seven more to go. Well, I think I, there's two things that happened in this game that I think are, are good for Utah State. One is is they had to figure out how to win against a good defense. San Diego State's defense is tough. It's always been tough to play against Rocky Long. I remember when he was in New Mexico, I played against him, and I, I think I threw the ball 50 times in that game. I swear I got hit 49 times. I mean, he just he does a good job of confusing offensive lines and getting hits on quarterbacks. And, the, and and quite honestly, like his man-to-man scheme and his zone scheme is a little bit confusing to quarterbacks. And so I think it builds a little bit of confidence that you, that you grinded out a win offensively. And I know you had to pick six, but you grinded out some points. 
you did enough good things to beat them. And then I think the other thing, and I know you, I know that San Diego State's offense isn't great, and I know they talked about being this spread offense this year, but it looks like the same old Rocky Long offense to me. But Utah State's defense is going to need confidence builders as much as they can. They're down a whole bunch of corners. They've got a lot of injuries on defense. Obviously, Woody's an unbelievable you know, linebacker, and he makes a lot of plays, but they needed that confidence builder on the road. And, you know, everybody's been talking about how they need to get a Mountain West Conference, a legitimate Mountain West Conference road win. And I, I think this is good for Utah State. And I think that they can build some confidence off of this and, and move forward into the conference going, God, you know what? We can do some things here. We can do some things with this team and with this defense. So does those some things include beating Boise? Well, I mean that has to be that has to be your goal, right? I mean, the 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 road to the to the Mountain West Conference Championship goes through Boise, and Utah State has not been able to do that. There's two things that Utah State needs to break through on, and that is in the early season having a P5 conference win on the road. Um, I feel like San Diego State was a good win for them to build some confidence, but then the second thing really is you've you've got to beat Boise in a year where they're good to win the conference championship or, or at least to win your division championship to get to the conference championship game. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you guys. You guys are, you guys are so fun to listen to. So I tune in all the time and I know I'm annoying because I text you and I'm laughing at your jokes, but it just means that I appreciate you guys. You're not texting me. You're just texting PK. So you're laughing at me, aren't you Riley? With you. No, with no, you, no, no, with no. You, You're with the you. group text. See, mm-hmm. that just shows mm-hmm. you don't even pay attention to me. Right. <laughs> I pay attention, and I respond immediately. Thank you. Thank you, PK. Thank All right. You. Thanks, Riley. All right, guys. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, the guy we love having on, Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 analyst. In a league where there's only one 4-0 team, but there's seven 3-1 teams, you got a lot of teams who have a chance to be good, but is anybody really great? Who's 3-1 and one and a pretender and on the way to 6-6? Six and six? Who's 3-1 and one and really has something that's on the way to 9-3 or 10-2? and two? We'll talk with Lincoln next on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, we are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lincoln, good morning. Gentlemen, good morning to you. How are you both? Uh, we're having a we're having a radio fight on the air. PK, PK, sure I'm wrong again. Oh, you know <laughs> there might be some truth to it, but I don't really want to plead guilty to that right now. You don't know that about me, so let's not you know throw all the dirt out there in public. So I made some uh, some reference, some metaphor, some simile, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not very good at English. Uh, about the Utes still have a path to the Pac-12 South Division title, but after losing to USC, it's uphill, it's rocky, it's along the side of a cliff. It's not a great path. It is a path, it's just not a great one. They've lost a game, they're down a tiebreaker, they're no longer in control of their own destiny. 
And I don't think they can run the table and win again. I picked them at the start of the year to go 10-2 and and 7-2 and in conference. And if they lose again, then that means USC would have to lose three times. So, is my analogy anywhere near true? Or PK, who's telling me to quit obsessing about the standings after one game, relax, they're a good team, let it play out, the Pac-12 is crazy. Which one of those two do you uh, do you subscribe to? I, I kind of sat on uh, I kind of you know sat on the latter point where, where the fact is I, I think the the Pac-12 is crazy. I mean, we've been talking about it to to, to some extreme right now that you know the, the competitiveness of this conference is really, in my opinion, like no other. I mean, you can really go down the list, and I, and I like that. I like parity. I don't like dominance. I like parity. I like the fact that anybody can beat anybody, and that's the way that players should feel. That's the way the coaches should feel, and that's the way that fans should feel. Um, you catch somebody at the right time, and then you have your chance to succeed and to move and to move forward. But again, that philosophy, that ideology, if you will, does not necessarily coexist with the national uh, national perspective. And what I mean by that is that. We all want to be able to stick out our chest as fans and say our conference, our alma mater is something that, that, that we, should, we can be proud of, especially when it comes to football. And so from a national perspective, how likely are they to be in the playoff or to chase a championship? Well, this is not the NCAA basketball where everyone kind of has a chance. The, regardless of what happens with this, this conference, the Pac-12 championship, in my opinion, is not, the Pac-12 champion is not going to play for a national title. That's just, I don't care whom it is, the Pac-12 championship will not be in the playoff. That's how I feel right now. But that doesn't necessarily bode well for a national perspective and for fans to be able to stick out their chests, if you know what I mean. So, though I like the competition, I, I wouldn't say don't panic. I think Utah is still a good team. They just ran up against a team that has some skilled players and, you know, for the most part, got lucky um, uh, and was able to beat them at home. So, but, but that happens. That's the great thing about sports in general. That happens at time from time. Yeah, I agree totally, Lincoln. The way I look at it with the conference right now, I've been going back and forth on who I think is the favorite. And I'm thinking, you ever go to a, like a carnival or a fair and they have these stuffed animals in this booth and you have this big like crane thing and you put your money in, you try to pick out one of them and hope that it sticks. And as you pull it up to where you can take it out, you hope it doesn't loose, get loose and fall back into the pack. And so that's what I'm thinking. Uh, this week, I've got that money and I put the thing in and I'm trying to pick out my stuffed animal. And my favorite this week, which is subject to change, but my favorite to win the conference now is Washington. Well, as I said, you know what? It's it's probably going to change after this week. Yeah, <laughs> what exactly. I mean? that, that, that's the great thing about parity. That's the great thing about competition. You have that option. And and the thing is, is that when we try to procrastinate or procrastinate, that's is a word, better word for it. Uh, look at at um, the way this season is going to unfold. We're all trying to make conclusions when we haven't seen a whole lot of football. In this regard, if, the, if that makes sense to you, I mean, things happen, injuries, um, uh, weather issues. I mean, who would ever thought that when Cal played Washington a couple weeks ago, they would have a two and a half hour delay? They'd be on the verge of postponement, and then Cal would beat Washington at Washington. I mean, you, no one can ever predict that, but but it happens. So that's a great thing about sports, and that's why we love it. And this is this past weekend was a crazy weekend when it comes to sports. You guys know that. 
So there's another potential crazy weekend here as you've got, uh, it looks like a couple of the top teams in the South and a couple of the top teams in the North ready to square off. How do you, how do you feel about USC going to Washington? And then we'll get to the Utes after that. You know, what USC has been able to do this year, even without their starting quarterback, you know, coming into the season after an injury, is that they've been able to utilize their, their strength of their program, their roster, which is skilled players at all positions. Now, they've been somewhat lucky. I'm, I'm going to give them that. But at the same point, they found a way to win. And that, to, to me, is a true sign of a team that wants to be resilient, that, tries, that wants to fight for its coach. So many opportunities when you're going to your fourth-string quarterback to, to just lay down and be like, you know what, we can't do it and whatever and just get thumped and call it a day. But you saw a matter of fight coming out of, uh, of USC. So with that point, for, that point going forward, yes, I like Washington because I think Washington is, is a more complete team. However, you can't discount USC. And I don't know what the line is. or I'm not into all that odds maker stuff. But I do know this is that SC is going to give Washington everything they can handle and then some. And it's going to be a great game. So did Washington State somehow forget that it was September and think it was November by choking? <laughs> All the things that I saw when, 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 that, when that game went down is that they cooked it, they cooked it, they cooked it. <laughs> right, but it's September. It's supposed to wait till November. Yeah, yeah. How about that? But when when was the last? I mean, come on. Let's let's be honest. That was a, an NC2A basketball score, not an NC2A football score. I mean, it was crazy. The fact that you know UCLA was down by as much as they were, and they came back and they rallied back. Now, if I'm Mike Leach and I'm a, I'm, I'm a Wazoo, you know, I'm seriously reconsidering my position because this has happened more than once in some capacity, and they have to seem to make everything interesting. And I'm not really sure. What you can do. The fact is, is that most people around the nation know Mike Leach and Wazoo as the air raid offense. They don't sit there and say anything about defense, you know, for the most part. And there's been times where they've shown some semblance of defense, if you will. But after that game against UCLA, I mean, I really don't know where to put this team because I don't know what we truly have. Yeah, they can score points, but they can't stop anybody. So do we have the Pac-12's version of a Big 12 team that just wants to run up the score as much as possible and hope for the best on the other side? Yeah. So what about UCLA, since uh, Utah and USC both have to play UCLA? Is UCLA a team that's capable of pulling upsets as opposed to the team that was 3-9 and nine last year and started 0-3 this year and didn't look like they had any chance of beating San Diego State in the second half? Well, again, it goes back to the parity of the conference. Anybody can beat anybody. So everyone should be on their P's and Q's no matter what the record is or no matter what their past history is. Everybody should be, you know, to stand up and be, and to be thought of and respected for the program that they are. UCLA, like SC, has got good skill players. Yes, they're very young. There's a, there are, there's a lot that, uh, you know, Chip Kelly is asking from his players, um, especially at this time in their career. But it, it goes back to stand up and be counted. Winning a game like that against Wazoo on the road gives them a feeling of uh, respect. It gives them a feeling of uh, confidence that they can do things. But I still think they've got too many holes. I mean, let's they, they did get up sixty something points. You know what I mean? It's not like it, it was it was a ten three battle. So they they still have a bunch of holes themselves. Cal's got the Devils at home Friday night. How much, if any, do you need to see more out of Cal before you say, all right, they are legitimate as far as potentially winning this conference? 
I'm, I thought they were when I watched the Washington game, when I did their game uh, against North Texas. This defense is lights out. The secondary is, is second to none, in my opinion, in the conference. And more importantly, their offense is getting more and more uh, confidence as they move forward. Look, when you have a defense, you have a chance. And, and I thoroughly believe that this Cal team is legit. I've said that for quite some time. All right, so Utah's got to bounce back. Washington State's got to bounce back. Who do you mm-hmm. trust more? Utah. But, but, but you know what? It also relies on Zach Moss, the health of Zach Moss. I think the identity changed when he left the game. So I'm still waiting for the reports. Maybe you guys have something that I don't. I haven't seen on this day yet. But um, I, I think Zach Moss is very important to this offense. And, and, and without him in the lineup, they've either got to adjust – on the roll, or they got to find a way to, to 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 really pick things up because I saw a little bit of air taken out of their cells when he got when he was off the field. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think there's any question about that. That he might be the most important guy. Obviously, the quarterback is always important, but maybe aside from the quarterback, the thing that really really stunned me is you alluded to it about putting some balls up there and maybe SC got lucky. But I was really surprised that Utah's pass defense was that bad. And it does, I have to admit, make me nervous going up against Washington State because they just they may not have the receivers, and I don't think anybody in the conference has the receivers of SC, but the fact that they throw the ball so many times, just like last year, Utah did a decent job of containing it, but yet right at the end or the third quarter, whatever it was, they broke a big uh, 90-yard pass, uh, whatever the distance was you know you miss a tackle boom the guy's gone so I do have a fair degree of nervousness about being able to stop the pass for the Utes against the Cougars what do you see well the thing is if you look at the formula for UCLA the reason why they won is they had special teams come through big and more importantly they had turnovers timely turnovers even when they had a uh, wazoo had a substantial lead and that's usually the key for most teams to beat another one you want to win all three phases you want to be able to win the turnover battle so I, I think going forward i mean that's sort of one of the key to success against wazoo unless you have a prolific offense that can score lots of points and get into a shootout legitimate shootout the thing you want to do is you want to take advantage of the, of the chance the, the intangibles i still think you know, Utah's uh, philosophy or identity, if you will, in my opinion, is to be able to run the ball, which controls the clock, and play defense on the other side. And even if you give up, you know, some yards and you bend but don't break mentality and you give up threes versus sevens, you still have a greater chance. So moving forward, you want to generate turnovers, you want to control the clock. More importantly, you want to run the football and be able to take advantage and not necessarily put the pressure on Wazoo's offense because we know they can score but be able to take so much time off the clock that they don't necessarily have the time where they can just think and think down the field and, and, and pick you apart. Hey, we were discussing with you about Cal and if they're legit and all that. Uh, is Colorado legit? What do you think of them? Is the jury still out? I think Colorado's dangerous, but I wouldn't necessarily deem them as legit. Um, uh, and, and the reason why they're dangerous is because you have the mentality where you travel under radar, and there are programs that look at it, look at that as a challenge. The fact that you know Colorado was able to go to Wazoo, I mean not Wazoo, ASU, and take care of business. You know, you, you walk off that field, and be like, yeah, yeah, we are legit, we are legit. But I still think Colorado, typically, I mean, most for the most part, has too many holes to be considered legit. I just think they're dangerous. 
Last week at this time, there was so much talk around SC. There was even a report that came out on Friday, the day of the game, that if the Trojans get worked in the Coliseum, Clay Helton could be fired that night. And obviously it didn't come to pass. They win the game. But is this something that is just going to hang in the balance each week? As long as Urban Meyer is sitting in L.A. jobless, yes. Yeah. USC's does that make sense, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, no, I got it, you. It does because USC wants to win at football really, really, really badly for yes. decades and decades and decades. It is so ingrained. But this is a school that's had multiple significant scandals to the point that SC people, who are not easily embarrassed, are actually embarrassed. And to hire Urban, the guy's got baggage. I mean, it's obvious you're setting yourself up for another scandal that happens. It's not his fault. It's your fault. You've seen what well, happened which in Florida is very and true, Ohio but State. You also talk about a program that needs the attention, needs the spotlight, good or bad. It goes by the, the saying that any press is good press. Um, I, I think there's something to be said by Lynn Swan stepping down. And you didn't hear a lot of you know, flutter before or after. To me, things like that, when you talk about all the rumors that I've heard surrounding L.A. and surrounding S.C., what I'm most concerned about is that this team is prepared. I mean, this, this organization, and I'll call it an organization because I do believe it is that, with the amount of money and everything, the procedures tied to it. I think they're ready to make a change, to make a splash, to try to prove themselves more significant. And all the things that you said about Urban Meyer are absolutely correct. However... I think they were willing to overlook it for the potential of being relevant in the world of college football again, which programs like SC, Notre Dame, Texas, um, have to be. They, they, when it comes to the world of college football, if they're not in the conversation, something is deeply wrong. And they've been trying to figure out for years now how to get from under uh, Helton without just firing him for really no cause. I mean, the guy has had some success, but now it's not, it's not to SC standards of success as far as being relevant in the total scope of college football. What do you think they do at quarterback now? Because uh, each of these kids has had their moments. Well, here's the thing. You don't do anything but ride the wave. I mean, <laughs> when you're able to go to your fourth-string quarterback and win a football game, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it really come down to the, their receivers? And we talk about the best receivers in the conference. Well, in every conference, somebody has the best receivers in the conference. But I saw a thing Yogi Roth did on the Pac-12 Network. He thinks they have three of the top four they got three NFL guys. Can any quarterback have success with those three guys? I don't necessarily know if any quarterback can. But, but here's the thing. I kind of equate SC's past weekend success against Utah to when I watched the Baltimore and Kansas City game. How many times did Lamar Jackson throw the ball kind of up and just do all the rules that you're supposed not, not supposed to do as a quarterback, and his receivers came down with the ball? So it's more luck than anything. But with that being said, well, the, the more film you have on a particular guy, the more defensive coordinators are going to be able to sort of, you know, create a game plan to protect against you. But it's, it, you still have to go out there and, and execute. And when you have as good a skill positions as SC does and as deep as they are, you're still dangerous. So back to my Washington thing, you know, they've looked good except for that cow game. Yeah. Uh, how much do I take that as something that that is really who they were? Or Because I had heard when we were down in L.A. for Pac-12 Media Day, keep your eye on Washington. they got a ton of young kids, and at some point they're going to get it together, whether it's 
sooner this year, later this year, or maybe even next year, they're going to be there. Are they? I think they're on their way there, but how close are they to getting there? Well, Washington has consistently been there. More importantly, you come into this season, a lot of people thought of, you know, highly of Washington and Oregon and, and Wazoo, of course, and all these teams had to play each other. They kind of discounted Cal because of their offense and Chase Garbers and stuff like that. But now that Cal's been, you know, it's proven that they can beat Washington. I mean, you go back to that game against Cal and Washington. I don't know how you can really keep people focused at, I mean, guys focused, young men focused at 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. I, I just don't know it. So you tip your hat to Justin Wilcox and his staff for being able to do it for Cal's standpoint. But I don't know how much credence you put in because, honestly, if I think, in my opinion, if Cal played Washington five times, I would give Washington the advantage like three to two, something like that. I think Cal could be competitive with them, but I think that they can, you know, I think Washington would eventually win three games over two. With that being said, since we only have one game, it's, you know, you, you get somebody early in the season who's still trying to find their identity. Anything is possible. I think coming to this season, uh, Washington was legit. I still think they're legit with their defense and their, their skill position. But at the same point, just like every team in the Pac-12, I think Washington's vulnerable. All right, we'll leave it right there, Lincoln. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and I forgive you for siding with PK at the start of the interview. I'm not going to hold that against you. It's a fight brewing for later, my friend. (laughs) Okay. There's Lincoln Kennedy, our Pac-12 insider, Pac-12 network analyst, and also on the Oakland Raider radio broadcast, soon the Las Vegas Raider radio broadcast. Is it just me, or do they need to be the first North American pro team to just drop the name of the city? It's been Oakland, L.A., Oakland, Vegas. I can't keep track. Just be the Raiders. You know, it's a brand name. It's a brand name in a way, you know, Jaguars and Titans can't be. The Raiders were legendary before some of these teams even existed. Just be the Raiders. Nobody says Oakland anyway. Everybody says the Raiders. And everybody does it in the ridiculous voice, including me. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way.